this is my prayer for sleep with Adriana. Hey there, dreamer, and welcome to another episode of Swipe Right for Sleep, the podcast that helps you sleep. Tonight, I'm going to do something I haven't done in quite some time, and this is provide you with some sleep facts prior to reading tonight's chapter of Peter Pan. So if you want to get to the story, now is a chance for you to skip ahead. Now, for those of you wanting to hear tonight's sleep facts, then this will be interesting for you. The other day, I stumbled upon an article from the Harvard Business Review called How Much Is Bad Sleep Hurting Your Career? I thought this was interesting because I know sleep is connected to a lot of different things. However, I did not know that it could affect your career. Per this article, about 25% of U.S. adults reportedly suffer from insomnia, and a similar number report regular patterns of excessive sleepiness. Meta-analytic studies show that sleep deprivation is a strong inhibitor of workplace performance, primarily by deteriorating mood and effect. I always thought that I was just tired and a little bit of coffee or caffeine of some sort could help me out, but in fact, getting a better night's sleep will increase your work performance. Better sleep has been linked to improved memory, knowledge acquisition, and learning. Even short naps have been found to have significant positive effects on work performance. I'm glad that short naps help because as I've been working from home, I have found taking a 10 to 15 minute nap during my lunchtime has been a huge help, especially as my sleep schedule has been so messed up with everything in 2020. A great deal of psychological research suggests that prior to the well-documented impairments that sleep has on job performance. In addition to this, sleep boosts employee engagement. There is a multi-billion dollar industry devoted to boosting organizations' engagement levels. The degree of enthusiasm, satisfaction, and productivity of employees and managers show at work. Although much of this money goes to improving office designs, cafeteria food, and person job fit, that's okay. But there is no comparable awareness among firms of the importance that sleep quality has a driver of employee engagement. Importantly, unlike many drivers of engagement, including the competence level of your boss, sleep is often in your control and there are clear rewards for improving your sleep patterns. Sleep is, in fact, generally better for your career, and the earlier you start improving your sleep habits, the more you can expect to accomplish. So don't try to be the bigger person and stay up late to finish that report. Get your recommended hours of sleep. I will post a link to this article and some other helpful sources in the show notes. And now, let's get to our next chapter in Peter Pan. In the last chapter, Hook and his pirate gang have kidnapped the lost boys and Wendy. Peter fell asleep and was unable to help them in their time of need. However, when he wakes up, he realizes he's being woken up by Tinkerbell at the door. And this is when her light starts to fade. 
So Peter Pan, he reaches out to the boys and girls in across the worlds and they save Tinkerbell. And then he continues on his way to save his friends. Tonight's chapter is chapter 14, the pirate ship. So lay down in a safe and comfortable space. Take a few deep breaths. And now, let us begin this chapter. One green light squinting over Kitts Creek, which is near the mouth of the Pirate River, marked where the brig, the Jolly Roger, lay low in the water. A rakish-looking craft fell to the hole, every beam in her dustable, like ground strewn with mangled feathers. She was a cannibal of the seas, and scarce needed that watchful eye, for she floated immune in the horror of her name. She was wrapped in the blanket of night, through which no sound from her could have reached the shore. There was little sound and none agreeable, save were of the ship's sewing machine at which Smee sat, ever industrious and obliging, the essence of the commonplace, pathetic Smee. I know not why he was so infinitely pathetic, unless it was because he was so pathetically unaware of it. But even strong men had to turn hastily from looking at him, and more than once on summer evenings he had touched the fount of Hook's tears and made it flow. Of this, as of almost anything else, Smee was quite unconscious. A few of the pirates leaned over the bulwarks, drinking in the putrid mist of the night. Others sprawled by barrels over games of dice and cards, and the exhausted four who had carried the little house lay prone on the deck, where, even in their sleep, they rolled skillfully to this side or that out of Hook's breach, lest he should claw them mechanically in passing. Hook trod the deck and thought, O oh man, unfathomable. It was his hour of triumph. Peter had been removed forever from being his path, and all the other boys were in the brig, about to walk the plank. It was his grimmest deed since the days when he had brought barbecue to heel, and knowing as we do how vain a tabernacle is man, could we be surprised at how he paced the deck and steadily bellied out by the winds of his success? But there was no elation in his gait, which kept pace with the actions of a somber mind. Hook was profoundly dejected. He was often thus when communing with himself on board ship in the quietude of the night. It was because he was so terribly alone. This inscrutable man never felt more alone than when surrounded by his dogs. They were socially inferior to him. Hook was not his true name. To reveal who he really was, would even at this date set the country in a blaze. But as those who read between the lines must already have guessed, he had been at a famous public school, and its traditions still clung to him like garments, with which indeed they are largely concerned. Thus it was offensive to him, even now, to board a ship in the same dress in which he grappled her, and he still adhered in his walk to the school's distinguished slouch. But above all, he retained the passion for good form. Good form. However much he may have degenerated, he still knew that this is all that really matters. From far within him, he heard a creaking as of rusty portals, and through them came a stern tap, 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 like hammering in the night when one cannot sleep. Have you been good form today? Was their eternal question. Fame, fame, that glittering bauble, it is mine he cried. Is it quite good form to be distinguished at anything? 
The tap tap from his school replied. I am the only man whom Barbecue feared, he urged, and Flint feared Barbecue. Barbecue? Flint? What house? came the cutting retort. Most disquieting reflection of all, was it not bad form to think about good form? His vitals were tortured by this problem. It was a claw within him sharper than the iron one, and as it tore him, the perspiration dripped from his tallow countenance and streaked his doublet. Oftentimes he drew his sleeve across his face, but there was no damning that trickle. Ah, envy not Hook. There came to him a presentiment of his early dissolution. It was as if Peter's terrible oath had boarded the ship. Hook felt a gloomy desire to make his dying speech. Lust presently there should be no time for it. Better for Hook, he cried, if he had had less ambition. It was in his darkest hours only that he referred to himself in the third person. No, little children, to love me. Strange that he should think of this, which had never troubled him before. Perhaps the sewing machine brought it to his mind. For long he muttered to himself, staring at Snee, who was hemming placidly under the conviction that all children feared him. Feared him? Feared Snee? There was not a child on board the brig that night who did not already love him. He had said horrid things to them and hit them with the palm of his hand, because he could not hit with his fist. But they had only clung to him the more. Michael had tried on his spectacles. To tell poor Smee that they thought him lovable, Hooked itched to do it, but it seemed too brutal. Instead, he revolved this mystery in his mind. Why do they find Smee lovable? He pursued the problem like the sleuth hound that he was. If Smee was lovable, what was it that made him so? A terrible answer suddenly presented himself. Good form? Had the boatswain good form without knowing it? Which is the best form of all? He remembered that you have to prove you don't know you have it before you are eligible for pop, which was an elite social club at Eton. With a cry of rage, he raised his iron hand over Smee's head, but he did not tear. What arrested him was this reflection. To claw a man because he is good form, what would that be? Bad form. The unhappy Hook was as impotent as he was damp, and he fell forward like a cut flower. His dogs, thinking him out of the way for a time, discipline instantly relaxed, and they broke into a drunken dance, which brought him to his feet at once all traces of human weakness gone, as if a bucket of water had passed over him. Quiet, you scugs, he cried, or I'll cast anchor in you. And at once the din was hushed. Are all the children chained so that they cannot fly away? Aye, aye. Then hoist them up. The wretched prisoners were dragged from the hold, all except Wendy, and ranged in line in front of him. For a time he seemed unconscious of their presence, he lolled at ease, humming snatches of a rude song and fingering a pack of cards. Ever and anon, the light from his cigar gave a touch of color to his face. Now then, bullies, he said briskly, six of you walk the plank tonight, but I have room for two cabin boys. Which of you is it to be? Don't irritate him unnecessarily, had been Wendy's instruction in the hold. So Tootles stepped forward politely. Tootles hated the idea of signing under such a man, but 
an instinct told him that it would be prudent to lay the responsibility on an absent person. And though a somewhat silly boy, he knew that mothers alone are always willing to be the buffer. All children know this about mothers and despise them for it, but make constant use of it. So Toodles explained prudently, You see, sir, I don't think my mother would like me to be a pirate. Would your mother like you to be a pirate, slightly? He winked at Slightly, who said mournfully, I don't think so, as if he wished things had been otherwise. Would your mother like you to be a pirate, twin? I don't think so, said the first twin, as clever as the others. Nibs would stow this gab, roared Hook, and the spokesmen were dragged back. You, boy, he said, addressing John, you look as if you had a little pluck in you. Didst never want to be a pirate, my hearty? Now, John had sometimes experienced this hankering at maths prep, and he was struck by a hooks picking him out. I once thought of calling myself Red-Handed Jack, he said defiantly. And a good name, too. We'll call you that here, bully, if you join. What do you think, Michael? asked John. What would you call me if I joined? Michael demanded. Blackbeard Joe. Michael was naturally impressed. What do you think, John? He wanted John to decide, and John wanted him to decide. Shall we still be respectful subjects of the king? John inquired. Through Hook's teeth came the answer. You would have to swear, down with the king. Perhaps John had not behaved very well so far, but he shone out now. Then I refuse, he cried, banging the barrel in front of Hook. And I refuse cried Michael. Rule Britannia, squeaked Curly. The infuriated pirates buffeted them in the mouth, and Hook roared out, That seals your doom. Bring up their mother. Get the plank ready. They were only boys, and they went white as they saw Jukes and Seko preparing the fatal plank. But they tried to look brave when Wendy was brought up. No words of mine can tell you how Wendy despised those pirates. To the boys, there was at least some glamour in the pirate calling, but all that she saw was that the ship had not been tidied for years. There was not a porthole on the grimy glass of which you might not have written with your finger, Dirty Pig, and she had already written it on several. But as the boys gathered round her, she had no thought, of course, save for them. So, my beauty said Hook, as if he spoke in syrup. You are to see your children walk the plank. Fine gentleman though he was, the intensity of his communions had soiled his ruff, and suddenly he knew that she was gazing at it. With a hasty gesture, he tried to hide it, but he was too late. Are they to die? asked Wendy, with a look of such frightful contempt that he nearly fainted. They are, he snarled. Silence all! he called gloatingly, for a mother's last words to her children. At this moment, Wendy was grand. These are my last words, dear boys, she said firmly. I feel that I have a message to you from your real mothers, and it is this. We hope our sons will die like English gentlemen. Even the pirates were awed, and Tootles cried out hysterically, I am going to do what my mother hopes. What are you going to do, Nibs? What my mother hopes. What are you going to do, twin? What my mother hopes. John, what are you? But Hook had found his voice again. Tie her up, he 
he shouted. It was Smee who tied her to the mast. See here, honey, he whispered. I'll save you if you promise to be my mother. But not even for Smee would she make such a promise. I would almost rather have no children at all, she said scornfully. It is sad to know that not a boy was looking at her as Smee tied her to the mast. The eyes of all were on the plank, that last little walk they were about to take. They were no longer able to hope that they would walk it manfully, for the capacity to think had gone from them. They could stare and shiver only. Hook smiled on them with his teeth and closed, and took a step toward Wendy. His attention was to turn her face so that she would see the boys walking the plank one by one, but he never reached her. He never heard the cry of anguish he hoped to wring from her. He heard something else instead. It was a terrible tick, tick of the crocodile. They all heard it. Pirates, boys, Wendy, and immediately every head was blown in one direction, not to the water whence the sound proceeded, but toward Hook. All knew what was about to happen concerning him alone, and that from actors they were suddenly become spectators. Very frightful was it to see the change that came over him. It was as if he had been clipped at every joint. He fell in a little heap. The sound came steadily nearer, and in advance of it came this ghastly thought. The crocodile is about to board the ship! Even the iron claw hung inactive, as if knowing that it was no intrinsic part of what the attacking force wanted. Left so fearlessly alone, any other man would have lain with his eyes shut where he fell, but the gigantic brain of Hook was still working, and under its guidance, he crawled on the knees along the deck as far from the sound as he could go. The pirates respectfully cleared a passage for him, and it was only when he brought up against the bulwarks that he spoke. Hide me, he cried hoarsely. They gathered round him, all eyes averted from the thing that was coming aboard. They had no thought of fighting it. It was fate. Only when Hook was hidden from them did curiosity loosen the limbs of the boys so that they could rush to the ship's side to see the crocodile climbing it. Then they got the strangest impression of the night of nights, for it was no crocodile that was coming to their aid. It was Peter. He signed to them not to give vest to any cry of admiration that might rouse suspicion. Then he went on ticking. Hey there, dreamer. Are you still awake? That's totally okay. But while I have you... Are you following our social media accounts? If not, you should. Because I will start posting things more on there for contests and information about our Patreon and other little tidbits. And if you don't know what those are, we have a Twitter account, which is at Swipe4Sleep. And the four is the number four. We have our Facebook, which is Swipe Right for Sleep Podcast with Adriana. And we have our Instagram, which is Swipe Right for Sleep Podcast. You can also follow our website, which is www.swiperightforsleep.com. It's where I will post blog posts or articles or any interesting spotlights that we do on our authors. And you can check on that website for that information. Thank you again for listening, and I hope that you have a great night's sleep.